Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 2 Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. This is your host, Jeff Ponce. Alongside me is Kyle Glazer, who's just returned home uh, from the World Series, which concluded last night. Texas Rangers win their first World Series championship. Uh, Kyle was there live uh, in the building in Arizona. Kyle, so uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, the experience just being there, you know, first off uh, when when the Rangers clinched. Yeah, you know, this is just such a special moment for this franchise. You think back, they started off as the Washington Senators, the second iteration of the Washington Senators. They've been around for 63 years and had never won a World Series championship. That was the longest drought of any team in Major League Baseball in terms of having never won one before. And there's just been so many times where this team has had really, really good players and come up short. You think back to those mid-90s teams where you had Yvonne Rodriguez and Juan Gonzalez and Will Clark and Rafael Palmero and Dean Palmer and Rusty Greer, just these unbelievable offenses, and they never even won a playoff series. You go back to those back-to-back World Series appearances in 2010, 2011. Getting to back-to-back World Series is an incredible accomplishment. And those teams were so talented. You look at Josh Hamilton and Michael Young and Ian Kinsler and Nelson Cruz and Adrian Beltre and just so many talented players all the way through. Obviously, they lost in 2010 to the Giants and then suffered probably, you know, along with the Red Sox in 1986, their Game 6 loss, the most crushing, stunning loss probably in World Series history, Game 6 in 2011, coming within one strike two times of winning and and not getting it. You know, the first time Nelson Cruz coming within an inch of catching the final out. I mean, this Rangers fan base has had a lot of heartbreak. They also watched a lot of bad baseball. This team did not make the playoffs for the first 35 years of their existence. And this was a long time coming. So I think for them to finally kind of get the monkey off their back to win a World Series I mean, Jeff, you can speak to this, you know, growing up in the Boston area, you know, the Red Sox winning four titles, 04, 07, 13, 18, nothing ever fully dulls the pain of letting it get away in 86, but it, it helps a little bit. It makes it feel a little bit more okay. You know, being out here in Southern California, the Angels had so many heartbreaking postseason losses. Their loss to the Red Sox in the ALCS in 86, and then, you know, blowing the division, the Mariners in 95, them winning in 2002 it sort of helps ease the pain a little bit. And so for the Texas Rangers talking to all the old players who were there to watch it, Adrian Beltre and Michael Young and so many of their fans who made the trip to Arizona, there were a lot of them at Chase Field. You could just feel that this this was just so welcome for this franchise because they'd been waiting so long and had so much heartbreak. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I agree with what you said, just, you know, being here in this area and, uh, you know, graduating from college the year that uh, the Red Sox won the World Series. So like I was right in the middle of that, you know, for sure. And yeah, you know, I think 
while it doesn't erase what happened, it certainly changes the conversation a little bit when there is a, a, a World Series and a championship. And the longer these droughts go on and the more dramatic losses there are, um, the more, you know, the ghosts sort of come up as soon as you get into the postseason and like those sort of narratives start to pop up, et cetera. And I don't think that's ever good for fans or teams, but probably pretty good for coverage and engagement. So (laughs) we know why those stories have existed for a long time. I mean, like, I don't think the, the curse of the Bambino was a thing in 1970. It was really more of like a Shaughnessy thing. And then that grew into something that people in my generation and like my parents' generation sort of talked about or whatever. Um, Because as it, as it, you know, grew and went further on, but yeah, I think when you look at, you know, this organization, they've always had, they've had some, some down times and we'll talk about this, but there have been some pretty strong periods uh, throughout their history. And I think particularly for folks that are our age for thirties, forties, we do remember those teams in, the nineties that slugged and, you know, had some, some, some good pitching as well, you know, Kenny Rogers and Kevin Brown and some of those guys. Um, so uh, kind of interesting to, to look back on that, but wanted to sort of uh, come back to uh, our first sort of talking point And let's talk a little bit about this Rangers turnaround, 102 loss team uh, just two years ago. And I want to sort of, you know, have you, I guess together we can sort of put that in context of what that means sort of winning when you see how they turn things around so quickly um, from a hundred loss program to, I think uh, an organization that from, from top to bottom looks much better than it did only a couple of years ago. Yeah. I wrote about this in uh, my story today. You can read it up online now at baseballamerica.com. This is one of the greatest turnarounds in major league history. And I think that needs to be fully appreciated only three teams have ever lost a hundred or more games and won a World Series two years later. No one's ever done it one year after losing a hundred plus games. Only three teams have ever done it two years after losing a hundred plus games. So it was in the nineteen fourteen Boston Braves, sixty nine New York Mets, and the twenty twenty three Texas Rangers. Now that nineteen fourteen Braves team is known as the Miracle Braves. We all know the sixty nine Mets are the amazing Mets. I mean these are two teams that are forever etched into baseball lore as two of the most miraculous championships in baseball history. And the Rangers accomplished what they did as well. That's the level that this turnaround is on. And those Braves and Mets teams, when they lost a hundred plus games, two years before their championship, they each lost 101 games. The Rangers lost 102 two years before their title. So statistically they were even worse than the, the Braves and Mets were. So I think it just needs to be fully appreciated how special and how rare and how remarkable of a turnaround this is. You talk about 120 plus years of Major League Baseball history now. It's only happened three times. And the other two times, it's two teams that have those timeless monikers and people still talk about as, you know, the most miraculous seasons ever. The Rangers are right on par with those two teams. And it's important, I think, that people fully appreciate how rare and special it is what they just pulled off. Yeah. And I think, you know, when when you brought up, you know, some of the other teams uh, in context, this is a, a, a very different time in the game and very different time in free agency and roster construction and, you know, uh, development, et cetera for them to turn things around as quickly as they did and investing in free agents, which we've seen 
isn't necessarily uh, a roadmap to success. And I think we talked about this in uh, a previous episode, but just their ability to invest in the right players and do the things to sort of fill in around there, uh, around those, that core of players has really allowed them to, you know, turn this around and, and build a very sustainable winner, I would think, for a three or four year window, because they certainly have prospects still to come and players that they could potentially move uh, to backfill on pitching, et cetera, as they need uh, to do that. Yeah, and I think it's important, you know, we talked about this a few days ago, it, spending wisely makes such a big difference. We see so many teams who spend gobs and gobs and gobs of money, but for whatever reason, the pieces don't fit or the vibes and the players just don't gel in the clubhouse or they don't bring in the right manager to manage all those high-priced personalities. We see it year after year that high-priced teams don't always have the success expected. This year, the teams with the three highest payrolls in Major League Baseball, the Yankees, Potters, and Mets, all missed the playoffs and all finished in fourth place or worse in their respective divisions. I, I think it's something where you really have to give them credit for not just throwing money around, but signing the right players and more importantly, the right people. It's funny, we did that podcast and there's a few Rangers scouts and execs in the game I talked to and actually had a couple reach out to me saying, their process is extensive and they're really proud of the players and people they brought in. It wasn't as simple as, oh, we need a shortstop, let's go sign X guy, or we need a pitcher, let's go sign X guy. They really dove into finding the right players. And one of the things that had been brought up to me well before this by some people in the Raiders organization was since Chris Young took over, there was such a heavy emphasis placed on makeup, on resilience, on toughness, on baseball savvy, on instincts. And a lot of organizations pay lip service to that, but when push comes to shove, they don't really focus on it and don't really take it into account with their acquisitions. The Rangers did. You know, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon are, are different personalities, but two of the best professionals in the game. You look at the pitchers they brought in. You know, Max Scherzer is one of the most fierce competitors out there. Nate Uvalde's differently a fierce competitor, but a fierce competitor nonetheless. And all these guys, they, they brought in top-tier people who have top tier talent, which is important. And you add that into some really, really good signings and waiver claims and, and trades that maybe were unheralded at the time. You look at Jonah Heim, you look at obviously Adolis Garcia, his story has been told over and over again. You look at Nate Lowe, you look at Josh Spores and they drafted well. You know, we talk so much about the importance of drafting. The Rangers were one of the worst drafting organizations for a decade. But you can make up for that with two or three big hits. And they did that drafting Josh Young and Evan Carter in back-to-back -back years. So they, they did it every which way. They spent money wisely. They made some good trades and, and waiver claims that were kind of smaller moves that paid big dividends. They had some draft picks that hit very, very quickly for them. And they had a couple of international signees too, Leody Tavares and Jose Leclerc, who they were really, really patient with and developed and, and brought up from the time they were 16. So this organization really did everything well. They did so aggressively and decisively under Chris Young. And that includes bringing in Bruce Bochy, which was a masterstroke. He's one of the best managers around and he was available. And the Rangers convinced him to come. And now he's got his fourth World Series championship. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to recap the World Series a little bit. You were there. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this, because I thought it started out with a lot of intrigue, and I saw, thought sort of, even like last night's game, sort of whimpered after a while. 
Yeah. So, you know, we talked about it after game three, how John Gray came in and really saved the Rangers bacon and going into game four, a bullpen game, which I wrote about after the game, you know, bullpen games in the LCS and the World Series just don't work. Now, the D-backs didn't really have any other options. Ryan Nelson had not pitched well all year. He'd been demoted in August. He'd barely pitched. He hadn't started a game since September 17th. So they didn't really have any other option, and it just did not go well for them. Rangers jumped on him for 10 runs in the first three innings. And, you know, the fact Ryan Nelson then came out and pitched five solid innings after the middle relief core got bludgeoned made it look bad. But it's hard without the benefit of hindsight because Nelson just hadn't pitched well all year. I, I think for the Rangers, really the biggest thing was they just showed so much resilience over and over throughout the series. They were down at home pretty much all of game one. Corey Seager comes up with a two-run homer to tie it, and Adolis Garcia comes out with a solo shot to win it. They get crushed, absolutely annihilated in game two at home. They go on the road to Chase Field, pull out a tight 3-1 win in a game where their starting pitcher leaves the mound. They lose their ALCS MVP. Again, the next day after learning both those guys are going to be out for the playoffs, they come out and jump on the D-backs and, and pound them. It was 11-7 the final, but... It was really a, a much, much greater difference than that. It was 10 nothing after three and 11-1. A few innings later, the game was over early. Then last night, they were being no hit for six innings by Zach Gallon. Zach Gallon had everything working. He was pitching as good as he's pitched. Nate Uvalde kept having to dodge out of trouble again and again and again. The D-backs had runners in scoring position each of the first five innings. Uvalde stranded the bases loaded in the fifth. Um, I mean, the D-backs were 0 for 9 with runs in scoring position. Uvalde made pitches again and again. And the Rangers' offense, after doing nothing for six innings, finally got to Zach Gallen, three straight hits, and they piled on in the ninth as well. Marcus Seaman with a huge, huge home run in, in the ninth to kind of put the final nail in the coffin. It just stood out, again, the depth of this Rangers lineup. They have so many guys that can beat you. You know, Seager and Semien came up with some big hits, but – I mean, all the way down to Travis Jankowski replacing Adolis Garcia. I mean, everyone got in on the action at some point. Their starting pitching pitched pretty darn well. And Jordan Montgomery had a bad start in game two, but Yavaldi was workmanlike and made some tough pitches to get out of it. And, you know, Andrew Heaney, who I, I talked about in game four, the, the limits of his ability, he went out and pitched really, really well, gave him five innings. So they just got contributions from everyone. Josh Spores was dominant out of the bullpen. I, I think this was just a a complete team effort talent-wise, and I thought just the resilience that they showed throughout the entire season, and we've talked about it ad nauseum on previous podcasts, so I won't rehash it all, but it showed up again in this World Series. They just bounced back again and again and again from adverse circumstances and, and played like champions. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought, you know, once the, the series went on the road, um, they just, it, it felt like they were in control of, those games for the most part outside of uh, a couple of, you know, small, I guess a small pocket maybe yesterday uh, when it felt like the momentum was going the diamondbacks favor, you know, the diamondbacks just last night, it just seemed as if they could not get runners in scoring position across the plate. Uh, situationally, you know, there were some calls that were made uh, including the bunt um, of Gabriel Moreno uh when there were runners on first and second and no outs, I, I just thought it was uncalled for at that point. I didn't think you needed to necessarily manufacture that run. Um, and I, I, I know you're not a never bunt guy. I'm a never, I'm not, I'm not a never bunt guy. I do think there's situations where it makes sense, especially in tight playoff games for sure. 
um, it was just an odd decision a little bit. And, uh, you know, especially just giving away an out there when you didn't need to, and it wasn't going to score a run. That's sort of what, what irked me a little bit. I don't know what you thought about that decision. Yeah, I, I thought it was definitely a curious decision to say the least. Again, I'm I'm not a never bunter. I think that there's absolutely time for bunting is appropriate and and does help the team and is a positive thing to do. But you know, Gabriel Moreno's been one of their best hitters. There's no outs. It's a scoreless game in the third inning. You're not playing for one run here. You you need a couple, and um, that's not the guy who I would take the bat out of his hands. You know, Christian Walker had been really, really, really struggling. Again, I don't know how good of a bunter Christian Walker is, but if you wanted to do it with him, maybe I could see it. Yes, he's a cleanup hitter, but he's really struggling. And sometimes a bunt can be a little bit of a reset for a guy, but um, that, that was not the situation. And most importantly, that was not the batter to do it with. And I thought it just kind of short-circuited what was a, a good start for them. You know, again, Corbin Carroll leads off with a single and and Cattell Marte walks. I mean, going for a bump there, especially fresh off a walk when Yavalti was not looking sharp. Um, it just gave them an out that wasn't necessary and and, and gave them an, a way to get out of the inning. You know, Christian Walker, who we talked about, has been struggling, strikes out, then Tommy Pham grounds out. And but at the same time, it wasn't like that was the D-backs only opportunity. Uh, as I mentioned, they had runners no. in scoring position in each of the first five innings and couldn't bring them across. I mean, again, Yavaldi did a good job pitching out of trouble. Um, but the D-backs also, there were a few times they went up a little aggressive when Yavaldi was struggling there. They got a little anxious or jumping a little bit in some of those uh, situations, trying to bring a runner home and um, help Yavaldi out a little bit with some early count ground outs, you know, falling behind 0-1, et cetera. So um, the D-backs just didn't have the best at bats in those situations. And Nate Yavaldi took advantage and got the job done. Yeah. Oh, and in the end, uh, you get great performances out of the bullpen. Well, great performance in particular out of the bullpen from Josh Spores. Uh, goes two and a third innings, only allows one hit, strikes out four, doesn't walk a batter. Um, he was huge for them uh, throughout the playoffs. Um, you know, being able to have him uh, come out of the back end of that bullpen, get multi innings, uh, more than three outs. That was certainly something that I think was uh, quite important. But Let's uh, let's take a quick break here. I don't know if you wanted to touch on anything else, just sort of wrapping up the World Series, or if we're going to jump to a break and we can uh, talk about what the future holds for these two clubs. Yeah, no, I think we hit on everything. Let's uh, let's look to the future now as soon as we get back. All right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. That's why I use Indeed for our hiring at Baseball America. It allows me to do everything on one website. I get quality candidates. I can schedule them. I can interview them. I can screen them. I can send messages to them all within Indeed. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And we're back. All right. Uh, as we teased before the break, Kyle. Two teams here, Rangers and Diamondbacks. How do you view these two organizations going forward? Next, we'll say three to sort of five years uh, based on the current personnel. And where do you go from here? Where are some weaknesses? Where are some some strengths uh, for Arizona in particular? And then with the Rangers, um, what's the worry in terms of the next two to three years of this, this program potentially falling apart? Man, going straight to the negative. No, I think um, one thing that I want to say before we start off any of this is winning a World Series is an incredible accomplishment to be treasured and enjoyed. You never know when you're going to get another one. The Rangers and their fans know this. It's 63 years before they won their first World Series. And I think it's important to really, really enjoy the moment and, and you know, remember this, remember this feeling and, and, and always look back on it warmly, no matter what happens in the future, because it's so, so, so hard to have repeat success. We've seen so many teams who you think, oh, they're in position to win multiple and they only get one. You think about those Braves teams in the nineties, even more recently when the Cubs won in 2016, they looked like they were primed to not only you know, get to multiple, but win multiple. And then they never reached another world series. So so many things have to go right in terms of health, in terms of player performance, in terms of everything gelling and clicking at the right time. You can never confidently say, oh, yeah, a team will be back again and again and again. It, it's just so, so, so hard. And that's what makes it so special when you do get one. That said, when I look at the Rangers, I, I see a team that's primed for elongated success. This is a team that has one of the best infield in baseball that's locked up through 2026. This is a team that has some really good young outfielders. We saw Leone Tavares really take a step forward. Evan Carter emerged this year. And, and I think, too, with the pitching, it is a little bit of an older staff. We know Max Scherzer, obviously, you know, his age, his injuries are catching up to him. Jordan Montgomery is a free agent. Nate Uvalde is a veteran. Andrew Heaney is a veteran. So they are going to have to do some work to, to backfill their pitching, their starting pitching as these guys just kind of hit free agency or their bodies break down or, or it comes time for them to retire. But for a, a team, when you just look at an offensive core, this is one of the best ones that is going to be locked up for at least three more seasons. So I think that's a really good starting point for the Rangers to be at. And they have a really good farm system. They've done a really good job developing guys, helping them get better. They've done a nice job finding guys in the international market or drafts that were maybe not always the, the top bonus guy or, or the first or second round pick and helping them get better. They've used some of those guys in trades. So 
I think they're in position to be successful here for the next few years. Again, the Astros are not going away in the AOS. The Mariners have a lot of talent. So you never want to sit here and say, oh, they're absolutely going to be in the playoffs every single year because you never know what's going to happen. But I do think the Rangers are positioned for continued success. And again, they have the right infrastructure in place with Chris Young as the GM. Bruce Bochy is the manager, signed for two more years. Um, their player development staff has done a good job. And even though some of their top picks haven't gone the way they hoped, you know, Jack Leiter's had some struggles. Kumar Rocker just had Tommy John surgery. There's still a lot of talent here. So I, I think they've done a really good job. And I think they're in position both talent-wise and just structurally to be successful for at least the next few years. Yeah. And I think you look at the system too, you know, they're in a situation where they have someone like Wyatt Langford, um, who's another potential superstar sort of there waiting in the wings. Um, and they'll actually have the payroll actually goes down next year, despite um, their sort of uh, contract situations without having to lose too many players. So um, it's very interesting, you know, how they'll build going forward. They do actually have some starting pitching depth, which I think ultimately was the difference between them and the Diamondbacks in this series was their their starting pitching depth. And there were even probably more options that were on their bench uh, that the Diamondbacks would have potentially started <laughs> in game Oh, absolutely. Four. You look at, you know, Martin Perez, John Gray, I mean, Dane Dunning. Dane Dunning. These guys are coming out of the bend for them. They would have exactly. been all starting in the D-backs rotation. So, no, they've, they've got they've got the pieces in place. Again, it's just they're starting pitching's a little bit on the older side, and, and some of those guys you know will depart in for agency, or maybe they're in their final years or so. So I think developing starting pitching, which has been an issue for the Rangers in the past, is going to be really, really key here for them to remain a, a World Series championship caliber club. But again, you trust the people in place, and, and you know ownership is going to spend money. And that's the other factor here is – We've seen that commitment to spend, and you know that everyone in place from a scouting and front office perspective knows how to not only spend, but spend wisely. So I do think the Rangers are positioned really, really well to add whatever pieces mm. they need, and it's not like they need to add a ton. They, they have a lot of good pieces in place right now. Yeah, and the other part of it, too, is like you look at their pitching staff. Scherzer's there for uh, uh, 22 24 uh, through next year, uh, Jacob deGrom signed until 2027, Corey Seager, uh, 2031, uh, Marcus Simeon, 2028, uh, Nate Eovaldi has another year after this, John Gray, 2024 through 2025, Heaney has another year, uh, Leclerc is the only guy that they're really losing. So it's really interesting sort of mix that they have. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things play out. And I wanted to move things over to the Diamondbacks, what were your thoughts sort of on the Diamondbacks and how uh, things would go over the next couple of years? Because it's a little different. They're a young core, um, but there's certainly some areas that I think they need to fortify, particularly that starting pitching depth. Yeah, you have to remember in a lot of ways, the D-backs kind of arrived a year too early. I think there was certainly some expectation that they could win 84 games and then claim the last wild card this year. That part um, wasn't a huge surprise, but Getting to the World Series, that was an enormous surprise. I don't think anyone foresaw this team being here yet. So the fact that they don't look like a, a fully functioning juggernaut in this exact moment, I think is okay because it wasn't like this was the year that they were gunning for and everyone's up and, and this is the team. There's still a lot more to come. You, you saw Jordan Lawler come up and get a taste. He's a really talented young player. 
Um, I think the encouraging thing was you saw Brandon Fock really take off in the second half of the year and, and especially the postseason. And who knows, maybe Ryan Nelson can build on this strong appearance in the World Series. You know, he's talented. He's just got to figure some things out. So I do think the D-backs are in good shape in terms of this is, again, a really, really talented young position player core. Uh, they have some some good pitching as well with Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly. I think now it is just going to be about continuing on the path they've been on, developing these homegrown guys from the draft, from international signings, continuing to get them up the system because this is not – the peak D-backs team. This is not the team that they're necessarily waiting for. There's still more guys coming. And, and I think this was just, uh, they kind of surprised everyone and got there a year or two ahead of schedule. So I do think there will come a point where we're going to need to see them uh, spend a little more. This is a team with a bottom 10 payroll in baseball. Ken Kendrick and ownership has has not been uh, like previous ownership when the D-backs won and they went out and spent on Matt Williams and Mark Grace and Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling um, they've been a little more thrifty and there will come a time they're going to, need to open up the wallets and then maybe go get an impact starter or two. But I, I do think the D-backs are in solid position to contend. It's just always going to be tough when you're in the same division as the Dodgers. And, and obviously the Padres are going to invest a lot of resources and the Giants seem like they're ready to invest a lot of resources too and just made a huge managerial upgrade bringing Bob Melvin. So it's always going to be tough. You never know. But um just from a talent perspective, the D-backs have the players present and future where you can see a scenario where they certainly are back in the postseason. Yeah, and I think, you know, another thing, too, uh, that you have to be optimistic about is you do have that core of Corbin Carroll, Gabriel Moreno, um, and Quetzal Marte um, through 2027 locked up. You know, you have Carroll through 2030. Um, so there, you have several more years of that young sort of player uh, position player core. You have a few more years of Zach Allen. So a lot of it is just, I think for them is really just figuring out pitching because um, they do have a really nice uh, young player position core. Of course, guys like Alec Thomas, et cetera. Uh, they will lose Lourdes Curiel potentially this year, unless they resign him. Um, they don't have, he's not eligible for a qualifying offer as well. I don't know if you noticed, uh, saw that. Uh, news that broke today, sort of interesting, a stipulation of one of those contracts that we'll see with uh, players from Cuba or, uh, you know, Asian countries. So um, sort of interesting how some of the position, uh, excuse me, the role players and uh, uh, ancillary pieces in this this team will look next year because some of that could, could change over and there could be some trades because, like you said, we, they do have some prospect depth, uh, et cetera, acquired over the years. So will be interesting I to see. One, uh, I think one key that I'm going to be watching for is Geraldo Perdomo and Alec Thomas. These are both kids who are 23 years old still, and they've showed us flashes, Perdomo defensively especially, and then made an all-star team this year. Alec Thomas had some big homers in the postseason, but um, you look at their seasons overall, particularly Thomas, it, it was not a great year. But these are two very young, very talented kids, and I think seeing if Perdomo and Thomas can take steps – and really blossom as they hit 24, 25, 26. But it'll go a long way for the D-backs, because you're right, you have Catal Marte, you have, of course, Corbin Carroll, you have Gabriel Moreno, all of whom are still in their 20s. It's funny, Catal Marte has been around for a while, you wouldn't think so, but this was his age 29 season. So um, I should say he turned 30 during the playoffs. So he is 30 officially, but it was his age 29 season. The, the point is, though, they have some good players who are still in their 20s and still have some prime years ahead of them. 
And if Thomas and Perdomo can build off the flashes they showed this year and become more consistent over the course of 162 games, I think that's just going to be a really, really key development for this team's long-term future. Um, and I think that's going to be one of the big, big things to watch for them moving into next year and, and the years beyond. Absolutely. So let's ask the big question here, Kyle. Of these two organizations, who do you think is a better positioned to get back to the World Series and win it next year? Yeah, I think you have to go with the Rangers, just given the depth of their team and also knowing ownership's willingness to spend. You and I have talked about this extensively coming into this year. 27 of the last 30 World Series champions had opening day payrolls in the top half of baseball. Only one team in that time had a payroll in the bottom 10 and has won a World Series. That's the 2003 Marlins. And we saw it again this year. The Rangers have a top 10 payroll. The D-backs have a bottom 10 payroll. And when it came time to having the depth of talent needed to get through a 162-game regular season and now four rounds of playoff baseball, it, it costs money. There's just no way around it. And with the Rangers winning, it's now... 28 of the last 31 teams to win a World Series have had a, a top half opening day payroll in baseball. And the you know, the D-backs were a bottom 10 payroll team. And just like the Guardians before them, well, they were the Indians at the time, the Rays before them, these teams with bottom 10 payrolls that get there, they just don't have enough by by the time you get to the end. So um, I think just given that, you, you have to kind of default to the Rangers, knowing that they will spend as necessary to win. But also, even without that, I think just the overall talent on the roster, um, I would just give them the edge, even though, again, I fully expect the D-backs to, to continue to be competitive over the next few years. Yeah, and, and I agree. Um, I think when you look at this organization, there's youth uh, in addition to sort of the veteran experience. And now you have some of these young players who have now been through a playoff run won a world series it's so hard to do that and go back it may not be next year i you know it's been quite a while since we've had uh back-to-back -to -back world series champions um so you know it will be uh it will be interesting to see if you know if they can get back here next year but i do think this is a team that's going to be the next the mix the next two years especially with you know the return of jacob de grom whatever that looks like um but, you know, the return of that potential uh, sort of, um, I guess, trump card that uh, they didn't have this year. So it will be interesting to see how that plays out over the next couple of years. Uh, older players, but still some of the most talented older players and pitchers in all of baseball. Um, sort of to wrap up here, Kyle, what's uh, your – put you on the spot here, but what's your biggest takeaway from this – this playoff uh, uh, season. Um, it's been one that's obviously been hotly contested, uh, yeah. divisive at times. I think that the format, for me at least, I would say if I had to sum it up in one word, it's been really entertaining. Even in this four to one series that in terms of the overall series uh, numbers wasn't necessarily all that intriguing. You know, outside of one game, there were, or maybe two games. There were, you know, two or three really intriguing games, uh, and one in particular in game one that I thought was uh, close to a classic. Yeah, look, we saw two championship series go to seven games that were certainly thrilling and full of drama. And, and the World Series, while it certainly was not a matchup of traditional heavyweights in a lot of ways, I think you still saw two talented 
exciting teams who had a lot of momentum behind them, um, for the most part, playing good baseball. You know, there's only one error the entire series. You know, Christian Walker's error uh, in game four opened up the floodgates a little bit. But again, I think it just goes back to, for me, I think about it more from an overall team building perspective. And Marcus Simeon talked about this last night while he was getting drenched in champagne. And I, I wrote about this in my story that I encourage everyone to check out. You know, they just played good baseball. And, and it goes back to you you have to do certain things. You have to have a lineup of 110 of guys that can hurt you. That's a, a baseline starting point in order to truly be a World Series contender. If you don't have that, you're not a real contender. You've got to have not just starting pitching, but but you really need four. You can't have bullpen games. You can't have, you know, openers and expect to win. You need four starters who can give you five and, and be reliable. And the Rangers had those two things. Their bullpen was shaky, but they had enough guys where they were able to get the job done. So I think for me, it just goes back to you have to be a complete team. And look, you can be a complete team and still lose and get beat. I mean, that's life, that's sports. But I think when it comes down to it, in order to truly be a contender, you've got to be good one through nine. You've got to have four starters who can give you quality innings. You have to have at least one or two guys at the end of games so you feel good giving the ball to. And the Rangers had that with Spores and Leclerc at the end. So all those things, you know, always were true. They were reinforced again this year. And I think for teams who talk about title aspirations moving forward, you have to recognize that when you talk about teams who say, oh, yeah, we, you know, we, we expect to win a title here, but you look at it and they have no starting pitching depth and they're rolling out a center fielder, a catcher, and another infielder batting 200 and saying, well, we like their defense. They're not really a title contender. You, you have to be more complete than that. So that's my biggest takeaway. We see it every year. It's not new. And uh, the Rangers just reinforced it. They had that and they're World Series champions because of it. Well said. Uh, I think that wraps it up nicely. And uh, congratulations to the Rangers front office organization and of course uh, all the fans there in the Dallas Fort Worth area for Jeff Ponce, Kyle Glazer and all of Baseball America. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast throughout the playoffs and uh, we'll be back with plenty more content throughout the offseason. Of course, top tens rolling out next week and we're starting with the National League. So uh, stay tuned for that and uh, to all the Baseball America subscribers out there. Thanks for uh, all of your support and allowing us to do what we do. And uh, if you could like, rate, and subscribe this podcast, be much appreciated. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.